Hey everyone, uh, welcome back. We just did this last night. <laughs> everyone got some sleep, got well rested because we're having class again today. Um, this is episode 33, it's part two of Unwarranted, and uh, the reason I'm doing this is uh, I didn't want to go four and a half hours last night, and I knew that I would most likely have callers left over when I did a hard out, which I did. And I, I have one that's jumped right up into the queue, uh, David, who uh, didn't get a chance to talk yesterday, so he's back, and I'm glad. And then also, maybe uh, we'll have, I think Ben, Ben someone was the other one. Um, but that's why I split this up. So there's not going to be a real deviation from the topic from yesterday. We're talking about the warrant served at Mar-a-Lago, and had some good... Uh, had some good people talk yesterday. We had someone who has worked with classified info who, despite, you know, Hillary Clinton's misdeeds, still thinks that we should prosecute Trump if, in fact, that that's where it's going. Uh, if you weren't here for it yesterday, I basically, I, I propose two scenarios right now. And this is all predicated on the fact that, you know, Trump hasn't sent nuclear codes to Kim Jong-un or, or anything. Um, it's, it's predicated on exactly where it stands right now. And I, and who, God, who knows at this point, but I basically see two paths. I see one where the DOJ and the FBI say, we, we got the information we needed. We're done. We don't feel the need to, you know, in the interest of, you know, bringing the heat down, the temperature down, we don't see a need to pursue this criminally or anything. We, you know, we got the classified docs boxes back, whatever. And they basically do what they did with Hillary Clinton, which is say, you know, he was negligent with this stuff, but we just don't see a criminal case here, et cetera, et cetera. And for those of you who, who weren't here yesterday, one of the statutes in the warrant uh, was U.S. 793, which was the Espionage Act, which was the same exact statute that uh, they were investigating Hillary Clinton under. So I know that it's easy to go what about on a lot of this stuff. And this is why I don't really think Hunter Biden applies except for the fact that Hunter Biden's flying around on air force one at the moment while under criminal investigation. Uh, but it does apply in the case of Hillary, who is investigated for the exact same thing that they used to get a warrant at Mar-a-Lago. We saw that the FBI chose and the department of justice chose not to prosecute on that. And so they could go the route of Hillary Clinton and say, you know, this was stupid. He, he should not have removed these documents, but we don't see a criminal case here. We're going to move on. Whatever. We got everything back. The end. The other option, of course, uh, is one of the nuclear options, which is they, they go on with the investigation to the point of where they do file charges and prosecute Trump on those statutes under the Espionage Act. And I have my theories on why and who would be involved and in if they chose to go that route. Um, and if they did, for those of you listening to my podcast, know that that is a, as I've said, that's a road we don't come back from. And most likely in three to four years, uh, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden are probably being tried and prosecuted on several charges. It could pick one. It could be money laundering. It could be wire fraud. It could be firearm charge. It could be anything. And as soon as we find out who the 10% of the big guy is, they're going to find themselves in a courtroom, 100% guaranteed. So I was kind of getting people's thoughts on uh, should should charges be pursued against Trump? Is this just going to make Trump uh, run again, which I think he's doing anyway, but um, has this ch 
changed your mind? Or have you kind of been Kavanaugh'd into uh, supporting him? Uh, or are you just kind of like me and tired of all of it? Which is kind of where I am uh, with Charles Cook's piece from last week. I'm, I'm just bored of all of this. I'm bored of him. I'm bored of all the supporting characters. I'm bored of the, the resistance, legal smooth brains. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at. So we'll go again for an hour. I'm just going to dive in. I'm just kind of giving you a recap, but it's the same topic. And like I said, I, I knew we were going to have more callers and I didn't want to be doing, you know, a three and a half hour Titanic marathon. So we'll go for probably about an hour here, be another hard out at uh, 6 p.m. because it is the weekend and we all have somewhere to be other than here. Uh, I'm just going to jump in. David, uh, you're up. And again, I apologize for yesterday, but uh, I'm glad you came back. So I I wanted to get your thoughts. So go ahead. The floor is yours. And uh, for those of you, if you haven't spoken before, the unmute button is right down at the bottom. You'll see a microphone icon thingy. You just hit that. And okay, I'm embarrassed. Go. Yeah, no, no worries. No, yeah, no worries. Yeah, it's. It, I should do a better job of saying that. Um, and then the other one last thing, David. Before I'm, I'm going to push you off the stage here. One last thing, just mind you, I want to try to get in as many people as uh, possible. And this is just for anyone. If you decide to jump in the queue, I want to try to get in as many people as possible. So just try to keep your thoughts, you know, kind of quick witted and and whatever, and just be mindful that there's others behind you. But David, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I'll be quick. Um... I just moved back home to Lubbock, Texas, and you were talking about people's sentiments about, you know, Trump and, and was just going to push people into his camp. And so I just thought I'd share a, a story that I had and talking to some people here. And that's OK. Um, so my dad is a very, very big was a very big Trump supporter, uh, you know, 2016, early on 2020. He's a business owner, you know, kind of a, kind of exactly who you think of, you know, six years old. Well, we were watching TV and this, uh, you know, the story came, you know, breaking news, FBI, Mar-a-Lago. And the first thing my dad said is, I love Trump, but I hope he doesn't run again still. <laughs> so anyways, um, I actually, that's, that's, obvi- I don't love Trump. I, you know, I probably am about where you are on uh, my feelings about him, but I thought that was very interesting coming from a, pretty hardcore Trump GOP guy that his first thought was, I hope Trump doesn't run against him. It wasn't, oh, I hope he, you know, goes and, and, and uh, takes up Biden. It was more like, you know, the Charles Cook uh, route. So anyways, I'll get off. I just wanted to share that. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, we saw, obviously, and even just recent polling has just kind of shoved over on Trump now. And, you know, I guess I, I still think that because there's so much time, there's still what a year yeah. basically before we know a, more about who will be running, when they'll be running. I don't know what Trump's going to do uh, if, this, if he's going to, you know, go in before the midterms or, or after or whatever. Um, so I think that there's still a lot of time for this kind of anger people are seeing towards, you know, the Biden administration, the FBI, whatever, well, c- could kind of succeed a little bit. Um Oh yeah, don't get me I think, wrong. I think dad... I think it's a bigger I think it's a bigger question of is this just a week long thing that happened and the and the DOJ just says fuck it, this is not worth it. It's not worth our time. It's not worth the headache. We got our stupid nuclear codes back or whatever the hell he had down there, and it's just not worth it to do this. Um, or do they just say hey, no one's above the law? 
whatever, and they just decide to go full Leroy Jenkins in on this, and that makes Trump the main character for the next year or two. And everyone, you know, there are theories out there. I still, if that's the case, if they decide to go ahead with that, uh, I, I think that there's, you're going to see Garland in front of Congress next year when they take, when the GOP takes the House, which they will do. Um, it's going to just be an entire new cluster cuss of shit. And it just depends. Does the FBI want to keep Trump in the spotlight? And are there other reasons for that? Is Are they coordinating with the White House to kind of do that? As I said yesterday, I do not think it's an accident that they executed this raid when Joe Biden decided to go on vacation for a week. Um, that also would suggest coordination with the White House, which we're told that there wasn't any. But, of course, we know that's bullshit. And so I think that that was all planned. I think it was planned for Joe Biden to just get the hell out of Dodge, uh, not have to answer any questions about it, whatever. Green Jean-Pierre didn't hold pressers for two days. Um, they just kind of let Garland have the spotlight a little bit. And then the old man, they just shoved into a closet somewhere in you know, South Carolina or wherever, he's, wherever he is. And I don't think any of that's an accident. So if they do decide to go ahead and pursue charges or prosecute him, you know that there's going to be more, there's more people involved in this. I'd like to know the role of the January 6th committee involved in all of this. So there's still time. Like I said, the DOJ just says, fuck it, we're not doing this. Then, you know, you have a year or two and, you know, we'll see what polling does. But if they decide to keep him front and center, because we haven't seen that backfire, um, then, you know, who knows what happens from there. So, Dan, I'll give you one final word. Yeah, uh, briefly, you know, I think I, I agree with you. Um, I, my, the whole, the, the reason why I'm sharing this story is I just thought it was interesting that even parts of the GOP, like, you know, I was shocked that my dad was not more, he was angry at the, you know, his anger for the, at the, the feds was, was, was great, but he, it was just interesting. I think everyone's tired of it. So anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. I appreciate it, Stephen. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks, David. Thanks for coming back. Also, sorry about having to leave you out there yesterday. Um, let me scroll back here a little bit. Uh, Donna, welcome back. Uh, I'm sure you have opinions and thoughts on this, so fire away. Hello, Stephen. Hello. Hello. Um, can you hear me okay? I'm using a new oh, mic. No, you're fine. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I totally agree with you. Um, when you said on your podcast, I was sitting here shaking my head yes that if he really did misuse uh, nuclear information, of course he should be in jail. Any president that would do that, you know, give him to Kim Jong-un or whatever, uh, should certainly be in jail. I don't think he did that. Uh, I think all this was was to make him look bad uh, before the election. And my, my wondering now is, what is their obligation to come out and say whether or not they have something to pursue prior to the election? Because I, like I said, I think that they did it just to give the appearance of something illegal and leave it hanging out there in the wind to hurt him. Curious what your thoughts are on that. Um, I mean, that suggests that, I mean, to say that they just decided to do this politically before the election would suggest that, you know, Merrick Garland, the FBI, Christopher Ray, are all basically doing the bidding of Joe Biden's political operatives. Now, do I think that that's outside the realm of possibility? Yeah, no, I don't think it's likely. Um, I think that 
one or two things. One, they didn't, Garland didn't take into consideration the optics of what this might look like, which is why I don't believe that Joe Biden didn't know about it. They, they absolutely at the White House knew about this. And, you know, I think it was Cook who also said, you know, they're acting like the DOJ and Garland isn't under the executive branch of the federal government. So just to, to say that, no, we, the White House, we didn't know anything. We didn't know any of this is bullshit. It's and nobody believes this. Even journalists who are acting shocked or surprised, they they don't believe it either. Um, so I don't I don't necessarily think that this was all political driven. We gotta we gotta do this before Trump. Now there was a story in the New York Times a few a couple months ago where Joe Biden was getting frustrated at the at the pace of these investigations on Trump. And uh, I mean, they said it where he was kind of rousing his, his aides and saying, what's going on? You know, why is this stuff taking so long? Um, but this, this first story about him having classified documents, I think surfaced in February that they were trying to retrieve them from Mar-a-Lago. And then I think there was a subpoena served in the spring. And then of course he, Trump just ignored it. Uh, he, they were told, Trump was told, you know, in the meantime, to make sure that those boxes are secure in the storage room. That's padlocked. Trump and his attorneys say they did that. I don't know. Um, but he did take classified information. So to say that this is a setup, well, no, Trump could have avoided it by not doing that. Now, I think, and, and I saw this explanation today, I think it was CJ Ciamilla from Reason, and I think it was also Sonny Bunch, and I agree with this, that he he just thinks it's his and because that's who Trump is, it's I think the simplest explanation is he thought that all that shit is his. And no, you can't have it. You're not going to come and take my boxes. No, you're not. And mm. that's that's honestly where I think it was. And then they, the DOJ just said, you know what, this is we, we we're tired of this. We need to go get this shit back. Uh, granted, we don't know what it is. Um, well, it must be pretty important. So I don't to say that this was all done to hurt Trump before an election. I mean, you're, you're talking about a pretty vast conspiracy that, I mean, it's possible, I guess, but I, I don't think that that's likely. Well, the reason why I doubt that is because if it were nuclear information, don't you think that they would have raced in before now, before he could misuse it and put the country in danger? I mean, part of that is we don't know, we, That's we what I'm getting at. Nuclear it just—I don't, don't see the yeah. Department of Justice having an inkling that he had such information lying around at Mar-a-Lago that they would just wait months and months to go get it. Well, we, but we don't. That's know. where my skepticism is coming from. Yeah. We anyway, I'll—I'll uh, I'll hang up and listen to your thoughts. Oh, thank, and thank thanks. you for thanks, taking Donna. time to talk to me. No, no, no problem. Thanks for coming back in, Donna. Um, I mean, what I was trying to say was we don't know what nuclear information he had now because it's Twitter and because they're, they're speculating everything from nuclear codes to nuclear, you know, energy sites or to nuclear sites. And that, you know, he was, you know, talking to Putin or he was talking to Kim Jong-un or Saudi Arabia with all of this stuff, but that's fucking Twitter brain. And those smooth brains just do that for attention. So we don't really know what nuclear information or classified information on the U S nuclear arsenal he has. It could be, I mean, we don't know any of that. So, you know, to say that, you know, they just let it sit for 19 months. Now, I think there's a valid point in that where if this was so, if this was so important, why did it take almost two years to go and get this stuff? But they know they've been working on it since February. 
And I don't think Trump had any intention of like using it or trying to sell it now. And that could come out. And if it does, he's in deep shit. Um, I, I genuinely think it's the simplest, it's the Occam's razor. Simplest explanation is he didn't want to turn his boxes over cause they're his. And he's like, Nope, they're, these are mine. I'm the, I was the former president. Fuck you. I'm the billionaire, Donald Trump. Uh, they probably handed him a subpoena and he probably just tore it up and went about his day. He just was like, I'm, I'm not dealing with this. Fuck off. Um, and he probably also never expected them to show up the way they did. And I don't think a lot of people expected that. And again, when you do that now, you, you've created a new standard. It's so, like I said, for, for Garland and Biden and this White House to, to not consider the optics of what that would look like, I just, I don't believe it. And like I said, the, the timing, there are no accidents with presidential administrations, which means they did this, they knew when Joe Biden was going to be out of the, you know, he's out of the press, he's out of the limelight, whatever, they're just celebrating the, uh, whatever the climate IRS increasing bill or whatever the hell they're calling it now. And they just said, you know, just take the old man, get rid of him for a week, we'll deal with this. And like I said, now, now it just depends on what they decide to do. And they have, like I said, they have those two options. So, uh, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Donna. Eric, uh, the floor is yours. Uh, just thoughts on anything we're doing here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I'm sorry with you and Charles, you know, Cook. like I'm just over, over Trump. Um, like I, cause I just get frustrated because this just really distracts from focusing on issues that actually matter to people. Like, like to me, whatever squabbles between the DOJ and Trump or like that doesn't like help my gas prices or it does like for parents, like it doesn't help about like their, the, the stupid schools that they have to send their kids to like, and that's like, you know, that's just sort of where I'm at from it. Like, I just, like, I listen to a lot of the, um, uh, to the ruthless podcast and, I sort of think about their don't take the bait and it's just sort of that like the Biden administration just decides like, we're just going to throw, you know, just like a, like a whole container ship of chum in, <laughs> in the water and just see what happens. Like just to see if we can get, you know, the GOP to take their eye off the ball when it comes to the midterms in 2024. Yeah, I don't know if they did that on purpose, but that's certainly the effect. I mean, it certainly, you know, had all of them all of a sudden, everyone from McCarthy to McConnell to, you know, the crazies like Babert and Marjorie Taylor Greene, all of their focus to suddenly shifted to this. And I'm kind of with you in the sense of, I don't don't know how much this affects people. Uh, I mean, it's for guys like me and for what I do, I I'm kind of forced to pay attention to this is because that's all they're fucking talking about. But you're right. It's not something that's going to help your gas prices. It's not something that's going to help inflation and and the inflation reduction act isn't going to help that either. And I also noted that, you know, it was, it was nice of Merrick Garland and the Biden administration to take, to take a hot steamy dump all over Schumer's victory lap um, earlier this week when he was out trying to push, you know, how great they passed this legislation. And all of a sudden this, this happens. And they, like I said, they had to know it's going to be the biggest story in the country with what you're doing here. And as I've said, you know, the opt, uh, the other optics part of this is you have the, uh, the sitting attorney general who was a Supreme court nominee 
who is not sitting on the Supreme Court because of the president that he's now signing off on a search warrant for. So, like I said, whether whether all of that's intentional or not is completely beside the point. It looks politicized. Yeah. And you don't have to be a raging, you know, MAGA freak to, to say that, to say, you know, this doesn't look good, what, you know, the optics of this are. Um, so I, I agree that it's something that's going to, it's going to, whether or not Republicans like it or not, it's going to, you know, take their eye off the ball. And again, whether or not that's intentional, eh, I don't know. Um, it could be. Yeah. And if it is, if the whole point of it is to stop Trump from running, which is, that's that to me is where the kind of not conspiratorial thinking comes in. That to me comes in the larger picture. Um, yeah. You know, you had you had the January sixth committee saying we can't we can't prosecute, but we can make a criminal referral. So I don't know where was the DOJ in touch with the January sixth committee over this thing itself. And if they decide to go ahead and prosecute, to me that looks to when you decided not to prosecute Hillary Clinton, to me, that looks like you're saying we're going to, we don't want him running again. And if they can do, if they can do a conviction or a plea or anything, well, we know that that eliminates him from running for office. And I I look at that stuff and say, you're going to have a hard time selling that with people who, you know, people who are all skeptical of Trump's deep state bullshit talk are suddenly going to go, well, it looks like a deep state, you know? So, I, I mean, I don't know if, if it wasn't done intentionally to kind of get their eye off the ball for the midterms. But, again, I don't know how effective it's going to be long term. I mean, we have three months. So if they, if they plan on keeping him in the spotlight, the way to go is you prosecute him. If, or if, you know, you don't want him in the spotlight, um, then you just say we're, we're done with this whole mess and whatever. He can, go, he can go back to ranting on true social and that's the end of it. Yeah, uh, sort of the non-conspiracy lizard brain part of me, like the devil's advocate sort of thinks is that it's just that this is sort of really bad messaging. Like right when you like publicize, like oh, we're going to hire eighty-seven thousand IRS agents, and then the next, then virtually within that same week, you raid the home of the former president. It's like that makes me sort of like the, the devil's advocate, like as far as like the higher ups in the Biden administration, maybe not knowing about this, like, uh, I mean, that's sort of maybe like a fact pattern or narrative that where th- th- this is not like where the higher ups didn't know about it because it just sort of seems that like, like just terrible messaging. If, if you want the American people to not be totally paranoid. Yeah, I would agree with that, but I don't think that there's good optics at all with any of this. I don't think there's good optics with Trump. I don't think there's good optics with the Biden administration, uh, certainly not within the DOJ or the FBI. Uh, but I agree with that. You know, you're, you're, you're staging raids on the ex-president's home, which has never been done in the history of this country. And, you know, the same week where you're saying, well, we're not going to audit you. And there you have the, uh, you know, the visuals of, you know, them walking out of the places with boxes. And so we, we also know that they're, their shit on the IRS is is lying. They're not. I mean, they're not looking to audit a billionaire with eighty thousand new agents. So, um, yeah, I would agree with you on that. It, like I said, I, there's no way the Biden administration didn't know about this with all with taking everything into consideration. How this is going to look? Yeah, Trump is a 
you know, obviously the old opponent, he could, he could end up being uh, the guy who runs again. And, you know, like I said, you're in the opposite party and you're sick in the, the FBI on him over, you know, a, a violation, which by their own standards, you know, isn't worth this kind of attention. We know because we saw it. We saw it with uh, Gamma here four years ago where they just, they kind of quietly investigated, they quietly investigated, they quietly investigated. There were no FBI agents ransacking her Westchester home in uh, New York or in Chappaqua or raiding her offices or doing any of that. And, you know, the, the media can try to soft blow that all they want. But the fact is, what it looks like is there's two different standards here. Uh, Hillary violated the same statute that Trump violated. Should either of them have done it? No. But James Comey set the precedent that said, we're not going to prosecute on this. This is stupid. It's, we've never, there's never been a prosecution on this in the history of this country, and we're not going to do it to Hillary Clinton. Well, the fact that you didn't do it now probably gets Trump off the hook. And what they could have done with Hillary is just said, yeah, we're going to charge her and whatever. And she might not get a conviction. She probably wouldn't get convicted at all. And But at least they say, hey, no one's above the law. Well, that, that talking point just doesn't work anymore. And so if you, if you decide to go through with the prosecution of Trump, it's going to look every bit as bad as people like me are saying it is. And I'm not, you know, I'm not out here raging with my Sean Hannity American Taekwondo cap here or anything like that. I'm just simply stating that this is going to look really bad. It's going to look exactly what it looks like. Give you last thought, last word, and I'm going to kick you off the stage. I'm good. Uh, I, I want to let everyone else get it, their chance right. get their uh, their stream of consciousness. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, Eric. Uh, good thoughts there, uh, David. The floor is yours. What kind of crazy scenario do you have for me this time? <laughs> um, I'm not sure this qualifies as crazy. I have a that's a compliment, theory. by the way. That's a compliment. I'm not like <laughs> okay. you know, oh, I like I like that no, you, no, I no. like that you throw out challenges. Oh, oh gosh! I, uh, I'm uh, this is temporary amnesia. You'll have to remind me what. Oh, I thought oh, sorry. I do remember a couple of the challenges. I, I guess this is what I'm going to present now. Isn't really a challenge. It's more of a crack. It's kind of a half baked theory, and I want you to make allowances because this theory is only about four and a half minutes old, Stephen. So, um, but I, I feel like one reason they can't, they won't prosecute. They shouldn't prosecute. Uh, not because I have any love for Trump. I share your concerns and misgivings about the guy. I mean, it's like I, unlike the people at the bulwark, you know, in the dispatch, my contempt for him hasn't made me pull the lever for the other side. I, I haven't voted top of ticket in several elections. I despise Trump, but I also despise leftism. So that leaves me politically homeless right now. But anyway, here's my little theory. You can't have prosecution, have a prosecution get any sympathy from the American people unless it is immediately comprehensible to the American people. Let me give you a quick example. Watergate, anybody could get their head around the basics of it. It was the Republicans sponsoring a break-in to the Democratic head. They were sponsoring a burglary. You can get your head around that. Um, Monica Lewinsky, a blowjob in the White House, a presidential affair. You can get your head around that. Whitewater, on the other hand, is an example of something it may have been a very serious thing. I'm sure it was, but I defy any, I mean, you might know the ins and outs of it, but most 99% of the public could not tell you the intricacies of Whitewater. They can tell you about January 6th. It's easy to get your head around it. It was storming the Capitol. But this, 
taking documents out of the White House and they may or may not be classified and what was in them. And it's just not going to gain traction. The public will not be able to, for the same reason the emails would not have, if they had, she had, if Hillary had been prosecuted, it wouldn't have gained much traction because to this day, people kind of know what she did wrong with the emails, but they couldn't really explain it. And to them, it doesn't seem that bad, not like a break-in or an affair or storming the Capitol. Does any of this make sense? It has to be, um, the prosecution has to be immediately comprehensible to the average person for it to gain traction. What do you think of that? Uh, well, I mean, you're right. I mean, first of all, that it's, I mean, traction is different. I mean, a prosecution is, they're going to say, well, we're not doing this on public opinion. You know, they're saying he broke the law and the law is the law. And right. That's it. And, but I would agree that to not, if, again, if Garland and, Biden aren't acknowledging the optics of all of this, and they're just, they're fucking brain dead. 100% fucking brain dead. And so is Christopher Ray. And so I, I would agree with you on that. But also, you have to understand Trump has a 40% hard base of the country anyway. Uh, probably less than that. I'd say 30% probably. Right. And so 30% of the country are going to call it a witch hunt, whatever. Fox News is probably going to go ahead and call it that and, and whatever and just say, hey, they've been after this dude for six years. And you're getting him on a, on a document thing and, right. you know, Twitter resistance and MSNBC will say, well, you got Al Capone on income tax. <laughs> and that's, you know, where we're going to go down. I would agree that the public at large probably doesn't care. Like they're just kind of like, uh, whatever they're, you're going to have people all over the spectrum saying they're just, they're going after him. They're going after trying to get him to stop running, whatever. Um, and then you're going to have another part of the country saying, yeah, he's a criminal. Uh, we saw we saw that kind of thing play out with between Eli Lake and Tim Miller, where Tim Miller says he's a criminal and, you know, that's it. And we, there's any there's 50 charges. Just do it. Just charge him. Just, you know, whatever. And then you have Eli Lake saying, you know, I'll, I'm going to treat Trump like a criminal when he's convicted of a crime. You seem to think that the best way to convict him of a crime is to treat him like a criminal. And you can't really put it any better than that than, you know, how Eli Lake put it. So. I would agree that it's not even it's not even that they don't understand that he took documents. It's, again, the severity of it and the fact that it's pretty easy to explain to people that, again, it's this exact same. The, the statute that they got the warrant under, the criminal statute, was the same one that Hillary Clinton broke. And the FBI made their choice. You know, they, they made their choice on that one, that they're not going to refer that for prosecution. Well, if you do it to this one any any semblance of that the FBI is not politicized goes completely out the window and you know then then now you have a political mess and political hypocrisy so yeah i think you're right but again for for the DOJ and Garland to not consider what all of this looks like um is, is a huge grave mistake on their part if they're not doing that yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think it's 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 I guess I would I would only add my like you're right that it would be utterly hypocritical for them to prosecute Trump when they wouldn't have prosecuted Hillary. And they would they would be prosecuting Trump on a thing that 99 percent of the public will, frankly, on both sides of the aisle, don't wouldn't really give that much of a shit about because they wouldn't quite understand what the fuss was about. So it's it's both things that I think would kind of militate against them prosecuting if that makes if that makes any sense i also think it's funny that you know as i just said we we don't know 
what caused all of this, you know, what caused them to actually go in and physically remove the documents. Well, Washington Post says, well, it was pertaining to nuclear. Well, even that people are going to go like what I just said. I'm like, were they codes? Were they blueprints? What, you know, what that, that could mean anything. Right. And Garland, in my opinion, would almost have to get those documents declassified to say, look, this is why, this is why it was so fucking serious. So the fact that they can't, you know, they just simply, unless Joe Biden declassifies that stuff, the fact that they can't elaborate to the public what exactly the big deal was that they needed to go get, then that's a problem they have. And so that's, it's kind of the double-edged sword there where we had to go in and get this really important stuff. Well, what was it? Well, we can't tell you. Oh, oh okay. Well, you, you just want us to t- take your word for it, take the FBI's word for it here? Yeah. Well, that's not, <laughs> that's not really going to work as far as public opinion. No, it's not. By the way, and Donna's point about if it was DEFCON 1, they would have gotten this shit, you know, 20 minutes after he left the White House. So I I think it's, you know, and also did they let me ask you this because you've been following the story more closely than me. They they weren't specific, but did they use the words national security? Do they say it's a matter of national security or did or they not said even that much? Uh, to my knowledge, they haven't even said that much. Oh, like, wow. Okay. I, I don't think Garland can really go down that road because I don't think that that's his right. purview. You know, that's something where the FBI or the CIA could say, or the National Security Council could say, yeah, this was a matter of imminent national security where, you know, we, we had Trump wiretapped, uh, where he was making a negotiation with, I don't know, Kim Jong-un or whatever to, to give them nuclear secrets or whatever in, in, in exchange for a large sum payment or something. But if that was the case, Trump would already be in handcuffs. So, Oh, you're right. Yeah. I just, I, I I don't, I have not heard Garland say national security. So, and the only place where we've heard the stuff about the nuclear talk was coming from the Washington post. So, like I said, you hear that. And like you said, everyone goes to Dr. Evil territory. Right. Right. But we don't know. And again, if you're going to prosecute him on that and say, you know, he had grave, serious documents, people are going to want to go like what? Like, was he, you know, was he building his own nuke with his with his with his own <laughs> army? of Loompas? What was he doing? Right. And they're, and they're not going to be able to say it. they're just going to go. Well, we can't reveal that. Oh, well, then why are you bothering us with this? So, um, I mean, like I said, it doesn't look good for anyone. Trump didn't didn't need to take this boxes full of shit, but because he's Trump, he's probably just like, I'm taking all, I'm taking all the boxes and doing whatever. <laughs> and that was probably it. You're probably right. By the way. All right. I'm going to bail. You've got other Davids to get to. I can see in the, in the queue. Uh, you rock, sir. I love uh, your, your regular podcast and love the Collins. Great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for tapping in, David. Appreciate it. You bet. Uh, we're, make, we're making some good time here. I'm going to try to get through uh, the, this whole thing. David, go ahead. I don't need to even lay the stage. Just sp- spill your thoughts out there. Okay, so uh, short. I want to be short on this week because it seems like a lot of people have it covered, have their thoughts, and I'm just going to give a just a short little thing, and then I want to talk about sports a little bit, um, just to give you some relief from that, if that's okay. Um, but one thing <laughs> I appreciate. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> one thing I'm noticing. Uh, especially in my circle, people in my circles in the Hispanic community, they uh, they seem to be ready to move on Trump 
like very like a lot of people who are in this in this um in this group uh you know as long as as well as uh it looked like that but I don't think this is gonna is is going to stop the momentum that was moving away to Trump to to a, say DeSantis or you know Tim Scott or anything like that an alternative a Republican alternative to Trump. I don't think that's gonna stop the momentum. It's just gonna yeah, it's not gonna like galvanize you know the Trump people. Um, yeah, that's one thing I I, I think and yeah on sports. Um, Another thing with this tie-in, when people are one of the big things that uh, they're very vague about the nuclear codes aspect, um, and they're trying to tie it into Saudi Arabia and like this new boogeyman that the left has or Democrats have that is against Saudi Arabia and the lip golf thing, and especially in sports media, it's been a very uh, in America, it's been a very don't touch lip golf, don't do anything with them. It's very toxic. If you're a golfer who goes there, they will stop talking to you, um, and they will stop doing anything with lip golf. Um, I guess uh, Trump did a was at an event at one of his golf courses in New Jersey, and he did the he did the thing where he teed off and had all the golfers there shook hands. It was very Carlson was there. So, like, I've seen, you know, ESPN personalities, like, try to, like, say that this was about live golf and trying to give the nuclear codes to, you know, Saudi Arabia. And just Twitter just lets that not Amazing. on. It's, it's kind of, yeah, it's crazy. So, and I can, I can care less about golf. Um, I can care less about, like, the Saudi Arabia's involvement in American sports that's coming up. And... Like just because of, you know, you're when you're an NBA fan like me, you just you gotta you gotta eat it with China. You know, you love basketball, but you just gotta you just gotta keep moving. And um, <laughs> especially um, Fox Sports is going to be doing a World Cup. They pay billions of dollars for a World Cup in Qatar with stadiums that was built in slave labor. But yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on the golf thing in the sense of you're asking me to care, and and the whole thing's about Jamal Khashoggi. That's what's funny. It's not about human rights. It's not about anything. It's it's simply about you know tr- how Trump. How can you go and golf with a, in the live with with Jamal Khashoggi? And as I said, I can't imagine anyone caring about Jamal Khashoggi anymore. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's just the honest truth. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm with you in the sense of I I can't really care too much about media protests about the the live golf tour when you guys don't say a word about the NBA in China. So I'm kind of just like, eh, don't don't really care. So yeah. Um, there's a uh, World Cup that's going to be happening. They had to alternate the soccer sports uh, calendar. They're going to put it in the middle of the season and in the middle of football season too. That's a, that's another problem um, for American viewers as well. Um, it's not going to get a lot of eyeballs in America and Fox is paying billions of dollars for this and they're not going to be able to get a lot of viewers. But yeah, I, I just don't like, I really, I don't, I, I really don't care about like Saudi Arabia and, uh, and, and, you know, like this, this protest against live golf and anything that Saudi Arabia do does, 
So you said, yeah. is this a thing? That, is this a thing on ESPN? They're saying that Trump was giving the nuclear codes to Saudi Arabia at the golf tour. Like that's something you've actually heard coming from ESPN people. Um, I can't remember. I think it was Rick Barry on Twitter. Um, uh, I can't remember. It was, it was an ESPN personality, and I did see it retweeted by a, a couple people on ESPN. <laughs> but it, I don't, I don't watch ESPN. You know, yeah. uh, unless there's unless they have the the rights to a game, which uh, you know they're losing a lot of rights to games. Um, huh. That's interesting. And, yeah, um, huh. but yeah, I saw I just saw a tweet and people were retweeting it, and it's just and just the anti live like people, like it's just it's so tiring, you know, especially uh, when. ESPN Disney does so much capping for time for China. So yeah, yeah. No, that's a. I mean, that's a fair criticism, and it's the and it's the thing. Oh, I just I don't care about the Live Golf Tour. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a golfer <laughs> anyway. But um, yeah, I just I don't care about that. So uh, David, yeah. thanks. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on so we can get some of these other guys going here. But uh, always good to see you. So I appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Cheers. We just we're, we're making good time here. Ivan, go ahead. Hey, Stephen. Can you hear me? You're loud. Yeah, you're good. You're loud. All right. Um, well, two things come to mind. Number one, with respect to the nuclear codes thing, it's it, it makes me think, is Hal from 2001 the computer they're still using to control the United States nuclear arsenal? You can't change codes. I'm having to change my Chewy password every 90 days, but they can't change codes when they... Well, no, they when, do. That's, that's the thing is... I, they either change them pretty often or they change them with each president. Um, so that's, again, why you just see this shit happening on Twitter. And I'm just like, I just want to boil my head when I when I read it. And But it's to me, it's more funny than anything. It's like, I'm like, do you, do you guys even understand any of this? And that's, I mean, that's what I just kind of started laughing when the Wash Post said it was like, <laughs> the, the, the reason, like, it was the highest importance of, of had to do with nuclear or something. And I just started laughing. I'm like, this is where every resistance blue check on Twitter goes berserk. You know, like, it's like they're, they're going to jump right to like, he's creating the Superman four villain. And I just started, I just started cracking up when I saw it. It was, it was a similar reaction for me. The other thing, just in terms of sort of harping on what uh, Donna said, but maybe putting a different spin on it is, I know you've been talking about one of the worst things that could happen leading up to the midterm elections would be Trump announcing his candidacy uh, and then that being sort of the um, dividing line in terms of maybe some undecided voters. Do you think it's within the realm of possibility that the timing of this is meant to coax Trump to go ahead and announce his candidacy now so that he can get a larger audience to start talking about um, these issues and therefore the strategy of the Democrats would be, okay, now we're going to make it not about Biden and uh, his policies and general dementia, but now we're going to focus everything on Trump and maybe we can salvage the Senate and possibly um, Thomas might retire or maybe we can get another Supreme Court judge in even if we can't win both the House and the Senate. Um, well, I, I think that that's what they would do. If Trump announced the midterms immediately become a referendum on him 
and of course, the Democrats are going to run with that. And I don't know how successful it would be, but that's of course it would. Do I think that this raid has to do with that? I, I don't think so. I don't think that, you know, unless Joe Biden absolutely commanded Merrick Garland to sign off on that raid. And I, I don't think that that happened. Um, I think Biden was told about it. I think that he knew about it and they just said, okay. And that's, you know, when Ron Klain shipped him off to South Carolina for the week or whatever. But to, again, say that there's a whole strategy to do this to Trump, you have, I think you would have to be more specific and say, okay, who's behind that strategy? You know, is Merrick Garland going to be doing that and stuff like that? I, I don't know. So, um, does the raid itself make it more likely that he announces? I don't know. Um, he might look at a bump in polling and go, yep, I'm going to do it. Fuck him. Fuck. I'm going to do it right now while the iron's hot. Well, maybe. Um, but I do know like McCarthy and I think McConnell and a few others were on the phone with him. Like, just don't just, just stay the fuck out of this for now. And then next year, you know, next February, March, after we have the house and we're starting up committee ships, we promise you we're going to investigate Hunter. I promise you just, just don't do this right now. Um, and so he might, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what goes through that crazy bastard's head. So, but I'm certainly, he could be looking at, you know, the bounce and polls now and say, yep, now's the time to do it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. And then that also comes down to if he does, you know, do, does the, does the justice department, you know, does Merrick Garland then say, all right, now we have to prosecute him and whatever. Someone said that yesterday that if, if he does announce that they're going to go through and they're going to just say, okay, let's see you go through a federal trial at the same time you're trying to run for president and damage him that way. And I just, that that's getting to me into some like gray area. That's, that's not quite Q and on stuff, but that's, you know, again, you, you would have to break down more. Okay. Who's, who is, who's suggesting this, who, you know, who convinced Ray and Garland to sign off on it for those reasons. And you really do would have to believe that they're all kind of wearing their stonecutter robes for that to be the case. Do I rule it out? No, I don't rule it completely out at all because who knows at this point, um, who, who knows what the lizard people are planning at this point, but you know, I, I don't think that they timed it for that, but now it becomes, it does become a question of that. So if they do, if they prosecute him, Trump's the main character from now until the midterms and probably after. So, you know, that's in their hands. And, you know, the DOJ will say, we're not concerned about politics. We're not, you know, we're not concerned about Mr. Trump's campaigning. We're not doing, we're, you know, we're just here to, to get to the truth and to get justice. Well, we know, again, that that's bullshit as well. Um, and I do know that people have kind of that conspiratorial thinking that, you know, the, the Michigan Gretchen Whitmer, Michigan kidnap plot happened right before the election. And now we learn that that was pretty much all, you know, a smoke and mirror op from the FBI. So I don't know. Do I put it completely beyond them? No, I don't. Uh, but that's just kind of my wild, crazy libertarian, not trusting the government side. Um, that's kind of my rusty Shackleford side right there. Um, but again, you'd have to you'd have to get more into if they did this to provoke him you know, okay, who's doing the provoking? It's because you're, you're, you're throwing in the entire credibility of Merrick Garland's term and the entire credibility of the DOJ. If it's simply, it's simply for a political trick. And I don't know if people inside the DOJ or Merrick Garland would even be willing to go along with that. So, I mean, it's, it's fun to think about and, and, you know, it's, that's what we're doing here. Um, But I just, I don't see how, 
they would do this as a, as a provocation strictly about politics. So, but maybe, you know, like I said, they, they could all just be sitting there in their stonecutter robes and clinking their Steiners together and saying, Hey, we got him this time. Right. I mean, they made Steve Gutenberg a star, right? Um, well, I'll, I'll let go, I'll let you go, Steve. And just one other thing, I am a PhD trained biologist. So if we ever, if you ever need a discussion about what a woman is, I'm here for you. Great. That's great. We could, we could certainly use one of you in, in times like these. So uh, we'll make sure that uh, I'll keep your profile on hand in case, in case any of us get confused. So <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Ivan. <laughs> uh, Town Moron, good to see you again. The floor is yours. I don't really have to do much introduction or setting up. Uh, take it away. Hey, Stephen. Uh, you know, I, I just, I have to say the way I've been thinking about all of this, I know so many people, media everywhere have been talking about the implications for uh, going forward. You know, if he's running again, trying to stop Trump from running again, that that was, you know, the motivation for this. And I, I have to say that my thought is I, I really think it was more about looking backwards. And I think that there is a huge number of people who, you know, were so broken, their brains were so broken, and they were so convinced, you know, that Trump was the absolute worst president in the history of the country. And then that, you know, the second Biden was elected, you know, again, and he's not Biden specifically, he was just a placeholder, but just any Dem back in the White House was going to be such a night and day you know, clearly a return to sunshine and normalcy and everything would be perfect and look at the adults in charge and everything else. And instead, it's been, you know, two years of kind of a shambles, you know, right from the uh, Afghanistan pullout and the utter failure to actually shut down the virus and, you know, pretty much just anything. Um, and of course, now obviously inflation, and everything else. I think that in a lot of, you know, and, you know, to the extent that there are a lot of Democrat-leaning people in the FBI, I think there was a lot of people who still just thought, how could, how could it be that he got through all four years relatively unscathed? You know, we never got, we never got that thing. And, I, you know, I, I, I think the documents, who cares? I doubt they cared. They were negotiating for a long time. Um, but I, I bet there were enough people who thought, you know what, what if we what if we did just do a raid? What if we did just go down there and grab everything that's at Mar-a-Lago, see what we can get? Maybe you know maybe we do find something. Maybe we finally find something that we can finally put that that taint on the on the uh, the f four years of of Trump and prove to everyone that he's as bad as we always said he was. Yeah, Andy McCarthy. <laughs> At National Review speculated on that, and that's kind of where I'm at on it, that, you know, it, it certainly there is a certain fishing expedition feel to it, which is we're going to go down there and find, and then, yeah, hey, I don't know, may, if we find an order from him to the Proud Boys to go storm the Capitol, we got him. Um, but then again, so I, I do think that that was probably part of it. Now, if that was... That suggests also coordination with the January 6th committee in all of this. And like I said, that's that to me is completely not out of the realm of possibility because it's just it's almost too neat that all of this is happening at the same time. 
you know, you have the J6 committee, you know, throwing primetime hearings up to try and get eyeballs on all of this. And it's clearly, you know, a political show, whether you agree with it or not. It's clearly a political show. And Liz Cheney's on record saying, I'm I'm doing this to stop him from ever sniffing the Oval Office again. And like I said, a raid on Mar-a-Lago certainly has that feel to it. And I can certainly see why people think that way on it. I don't think that that's really conspiratorial thinking because that's that happens all the time in you know raid busts where you know you 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 go raid someone because they didn't pay their parking tickets and oh we found four grams of cocaine in the closet and you know and so that to me isn't completely out of the realm of possibility i i do think there is an element of like you said it's and this is kind of where i'm just tired of it it's we it's the we got him this time thing and there are still legitimate people, you know, whose brains are melting out of their ears that think that way. And that's another thing where people are just going to fucking tune out. It's like, oh, yeah, you got him this time. Oh, fuck. Like George Conway has made a career off of that. And, you know, the Lincoln dudes have made careers off of that. And I just I'm so exhausted of it. And I th- and I and if if I am exhausted of it, imagine, you know, people who are invested in Trump. And I just, like I said, I I guess they can go down the road of just trying to ding him on anything. You know, and like I said, that the Al Capone thing where it's, you know, Hey, we got him on income tax. Trump's going away. Um, and, And I just, I kind of just laugh on it and say, okay, so this was about, he, he took classified material. Okay. Was he doing anything with it? Cause it sounds right now, like he just had that shit locked up in storage. And that's, you know, like I said, where I come from in the sense of he just he didn't want to give it back because it's his. You know, he thought he was entitled to it. So, yeah, I definitely I think that there is that element of, you know, just go down there and see what we can find. And, you know, I mentioned yesterday Trump is Trump has been in the public eye since like the late 70s. And, you know, for for you youngins, I mean, this is a guy who was on our television in the 80s. He's selling his board game. He's doing Pizza Hut commercials. He's promoting boxing matches. And then, of course, he comes through the 90s, and he's the apprentice guy. And the 2000s, he's the apprentice guy and whatever. And he's not exactly someone who has lived below the radar. And they got fucking Martha Stewart on, you know, taxes and, and insider trading. And so you look at everyone that the FBI and the DOJ has ever nailed in, in the arenas that Trump has been in, like, you know, like I said, Martha Stewart or Leona Hemsley or those people. And they've never, he's never faced an investigation in 40 years. He never went to trial in New York city. There was never even like a whiff of criminal activity around this guy in New York. And then all of a sudden you think you're going to like somehow get him in two years. Now, you know, being a real estate magnet is different than being a president. And I do think that there's an element to Trump where he just doesn't understand things. He just, he does he probably sees it and says, why is this such a big fucking deal? Like why I'm, I'm keeping a box of documents who gives a shit, you know? And you have the DOJ and the Biden administration go, oh, well, we care, sir, sir, we care. And this is illegal. And he probably just goes, get the fuck out of here, you know, because <laughs> that's who he is. And I really, like I said, I genuinely think that's pretty much all there is to this. And I said yesterday, if for some reason there's else, if he's trying to sell, you know, nuclear secrets to the Chinese, then yeah, he needs to fucking, go to jail and hang from a yard arm. Uh, but as of right now, it doesn't look like that. That's what it is because if that's what it was, you'd also think again, they would have gotten to it sooner. The other aspect to this, and this is kind of going into like, 
a little kooky Federalist territory is if there are informants at Mar-a-Lago, does the FBI have a warrant to spy on him? And are they spying on him post-presidency? And they really better hope that that is something that doesn't come to light because that's something where people are just going to go, oh, they're, they're doing the whole FISIS thing again. So I uh, didn't mean to kind of go off a little bit, but I'll go ahead and let you uh, go ahead, Town Warren. Uh, well, just my, my final thoughts, uh, and I'll let someone else, uh, whoever's next in line, go. Uh, but first, I mean, if you've ever read the book Three Felonies a Day, I mean, for Christ's sake, any one of us can get nailed. If they fail to nail him on anything, they're really just not they're – not, they're not trying nearly hard enough. They, they should be able to find something. Um, they, they can get any of us. Uh, and then my next thought was just, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you and virtually everyone else on the exhaustion of Trump. But, um, you know, as someone who did not vote for Trump uh, in 2016, but did in 2020, it, it had nothing to do with Trump suddenly becoming someone that I liked uh, or in any way becoming a politician that I thought exemplified uh, my ideals or ideology, it was 100% a, a uh, reaction to really to the Kavanaugh hearings above all else. And um, again, I, I voted libertarian from virtu- virtually my entire adult life and then voted down the line Republican just as a middle finger to the Democrats in 2020. And, uh, you know, if they don't, if they don't actually produce something, uh, and this is just as pointless as it appears like it might be. Uh, I'm, I imagine I'll be doing the same in 2024. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Town Martin. I can't imagine that you would be alone on that sentiment. Samuel, you're up. I'm going to try to plow through these last four, ending with Robert. So uh, we'll wrap it up there. So go ahead, Samuel. Yeah, just simply, I, I'm with you, and I, I really like Charles uh, Cook's piece. I'm just so exhausted of Trump and all the circus. I know a lot of people have said that, but I just wanted to agree. Um, It's kind of like where you talk about there are certain days where you just want to get off Twitter because it's just the worst. And a lot of people like when the, the whole Roe v. Wade stuff was going on, everyone was like, Oh, I hate talking about abortion. And I get that. This stuff is to me though, what just makes me check out. I'm just like, it just enables all the world's worst people from the past six years to come out of their shells and drop their fire takes on both sides again. It's just the, the Russian collusion pushers are out in full force. The pro-Trump, you know, Trump's the best people come out. And it's just like, oh, my God, can we stop this, please? Yeah, I mean, there's there are a lot of people with a lot of careers and a lot of money and a lot of things like that wrapped up in him and they have a vested interest in keeping him the main character. Yeah. It almost makes me want him to run again in 24 and win so that we're done with him running. Now I know he'll do the, they stole a term. Oh yeah. Me, so I another he, one. If he wins, with, he's, he's going to say, I got oh, another term. Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And that'd be horrible, but I almost want him to run and win just so that that's it. It's the end. He cannot, you know, run anymore. I had I but... had someone ask me, and, and I, I I don't think I've ever said this even on a podcast. Um, so th- this is one of these. This will probably get clipped thing where I have people. I've had people ask me like, "What do we have to do to just get rid of him? Like he's not going to go away." 
And this was always kind of my objection to him in 2016, which was it's not it's not that he might win or lose. It's that he's not going to shut the fuck up for the next 10 years. Right. Like he's not going to just leave us alone. We, we, we can't even like hood him like a falcon so we can get some sleep, you know. And that's exactly the course we're going. And so someone that just asked me, he goes, what, what is going to make him not run? What's going to make him go away? And I just went, a heart attack. <laughs> like, that's it. That Pretty is the old, he, he has to die. Not be assassinated, NSA. Okay, I just want to be clear on that. I just said, he's just going to have to croak over. He's going to have to have a, like a heart attack on the golf course. And that's it. And then, you know, there's this feeling like once that happens, we can all kind of just go, okay. Now we can get back to normal, not, you know, the, the Biden's idea of normal. But, yeah, that's it. That's And that I'm resigned to that. Like, I'm completely resigned to the fact he's running again and could possibly win again. And the media is doing their whole fucking trick again of propping him up again. And you know what? That's what part of this is about. It's just get him to say the craziest shit because there's really no way we'll go for it a second time. We won't. Watch, watch us go for it a second time. Yeah. Like, and so I'm just resigned to the fact that, you know, I, I'm Harvey Two-Face saying there's just no escape from this. And and people just say, it goes like, how do we how do we just get rid of it? And these are like pro-Trump people. They're just like, you know, how, and I'm just like, he has to die. He has to have a heart attack and that's it. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was on the editor's podcast, uh, MBD was kind of positing that like, this was like a week or two ago and he's kind of positing that like, you know, I think the tide's turning a little bit. I think DeSantis is really you know, kind of running away with this thing that, you know, it's not that he was going to sweep Trump in the primaries or destroy him or, you know, keep him out of the race. But it was like, you know, I think the the winds are changing a little bit and he's winning on policy. He's winning against the media. He's hidden all the bases he needs to. And I feel like this Merrick Garland just kind of yeeted in and just completely turned that on its head. Where it's, it's just, I mean, the other, the other, the other part of this, and I, and I say this to people is, we don't even know if DeSantis is running in 2024. There, he's, I know he's, you know, he's just now, he's going to go out and do some speaking stuff for candidates. Um, but, and, and as someone who's kind of in the know, and I talk to his people sometimes, whatever like that, I can tell you, I literally don't even know if he's going to run. And so, you know, you get people who are way ahead of their skis on this because he just might say, this, I'm, this isn't fucking worth it. I don't need to get up on stage and have him call me disloyal Ron and go through this whole shit. I mean, we don't even know. He might decide to just be like, nah, I don't want this. I want to stay in Florida. Like, I don't, you know, whatever. We've seen that happen before. Um, I'm of the opinion that you you run when the time is right and you don't really worry about anything else. Obama figured that one out. Um, so, yeah, I don't I, even, that's, I just, I try to caution people on that, that we don't even know if he's running and if he's not, then you're probably stuck with Trump. And I want people to possibly be prepared that that is a scenario that could happen. I agree. And the last thing I'll say is I I don't, we obviously don't know for sure that he'll run. If he wants to be president, he has to run. Like, I think that's just his term ends if, cause he'll get reelected. His term ends in 26. And I just don't think that um, you can keep up this momentum for what he, first selected in 2018 really came into the fold in 2020 him keeping the momentum up for six years is just basically impossible in politics so if he wants to be president he has to run maybe he doesn't want to be president i really couldn't blame him i'd i'd be upset but can't blame him for that and um 
I had something else, but uh, oh, I was just going to say the last thing I'll say is if DeSantis doesn't run, I can't think of a real candidate that could beat Trump. I think DeSantis is the only one that could. I mean, who's going to be like his primary alternative if DeSantis doesn't run Pence? I I like Pence, but could Pence really consolidate enough people? You know, I, I don't think there's anybody else who could beat him. So I think it's it's if DeSantis doesn't run, we're pretty much resigned to it. And if this turns out to be a whole hoax of things, because I just there's so many things here that don't add up to me that um, I will still not vote for him in a primary, but I will vote for him in a general if this turns out to be, you know, another witch hunt. So unless he dies of a heart attack. Yeah, well, I would wish that on him, but it would right. be the worst thing to ever happen. Yeah. I'm, not yeah. like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going anywhere. I see when I say this, I don't. I don't go. I hope it happens. I, I, don't, I just say. It. I just when people ask me what needs to happen, I'm like that. I hope he lives to be a hundred. <laughs> yes. Yes. We don't want. We we hope that you know he he outlives us all. NSA and Colin. I'm just. I want to make that. FBI, I just want to make that clear. FBI. FBI. Yeah. Who else? Who else would be listening right now? Um, yeah. yeah. Whatever. So, all right, Samuel. Good to hear from you as always. Thanks. Uh, I'm, I'm. I just removed a couple of people from the queue because we're going to wrap up with Robert, and so we can all get you know on with our weekends. But George, go ahead. The floor is yours. Oh, thanks, Stephen. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's not Trump related, but um, I, I guess I was curious. I mean, I, you know, when you look back like five, six years ago. I, you know, and I think you 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 deserve a lot of uh, um, vindication for saying demographics aren't destiny. But um, you know, even like five six years ago, uh, you know, it was kind of, or at least from from what I could tell, from what I interpreted, was that that the Latino voters and other minority voters were pretty much guaranteed to be Democrat voters. But um, now, you know, Donald Trump of all people, for fuck's sake, you know, grabbed grabbed uh you know more more latino voters than than any republican president in in a long time if not ever i, yeah. I don't know ever I mean, he, he had the largest share of even even black and minority voters like i mean that's granted that's not a lot but yeah but i mean still he, had, he had a larger share of that than he had a larger share of that than any republican did yeah, yeah, and i guess i guess my question is how did it get to the point where where the democrats sort of threw that out of the window i mean like how did it is it like how did they manage to get to this point where they've actually started losing what seemed to be like a layup slam dunk you know like hereditary i mean that's easy and i I hate i'm using terminology i don't really like to use but they became a coastal elite party they became the party of the the upper rich you know educated whites and ironically they did that because of barack obama I mean, that's who Obama was. Obama was the, you know, the educated elite guy who loved, you know, hanging out with Hollywood and loved hanging out with power brokers and he loved hanging out with journalists and writers and thinkers and things like that. And if you look at that attitude, that has now, if you look at who the Democratic Party props up, they wanted Elizabeth Warren for years. When she hit the scene, it was like, that's, that's going to be president. And if you look at Elizabeth Warren, she, to me, is the prototypical Democrat right now, which is, you know, again, East Coast, Ivy League elitist, Georgetown elitist, um, who all the all the educated white people love talking about and love admiring. And they just simply because of that 
assumed that the Hispanic voters were going to go along with that. They, they want to be like us. We, we're speaking to them and whatever. And they just stopped talking to people. And they just, you know, they just decided, you know, if you look at what Hillary Clinton did, Hillary Clinton's another perfect example of that. You know what? I make jokes all the time when people are, you know, when Roe v. Wade got tossed out and I said, hey, I don't know, guys, go to Wisconsin next time. And that's I don't mean that like literally I do literally, but it's kind of a it's a it's an analogy and it's a joke for how Hillary Clinton ran her campaign. She didn't go to the state of Wisconsin for 104 days in the general election. She went to Hamilton on Broadway a lot. She went to Gwyneth Paltrow's house a lot. She was in San Francisco a lot. But she didn't go to these states, and Trump did. And, you know, people made fun of him putting on the hard hat, and people made fun of him, you know, walking around the garbage place and whatever like that. And if you looked at how journalists treated him with contempt in that way, I think a lot of just working-class people, and I say people, I'm not even saying Hispanics, I'm not saying blacks, I'm saying people. Um, I just think that they just went, the Democratic Party's not talking to me anymore. Um, I guess I can't even talk to them with giving, without giving you my pronouns. I don't even know what the hell you're talking. What is Latinx? What do you, yeah. what is this? I, and I, I mean, they sorry, just, they, I just, yeah, no, I mean, just to kind of say it quick, I just think the Democratic Party, they became the party of, you know, college campuses. And when you see the lunacy happening on college campuses and in Hollywood and in journalism, that that is the Democratic Party's focus. The focus isn't, you know, the uneducated rubes in South Texas. Well, it turns out that there's a lot of those uneducated rubes and their vote counts just as much as theirs. Yeah. It, I just I guess I still just don't understand like how they got to the point where they just managed to convince themselves that they, like you said, don't need to talk to these people anymore and don't don't need to have a dialogue. And they just convince themselves that they they were that what they were doing I is think, right. I think took- part of it was they're yeah. so convinced that they painted Donald Trump as just like a racist dope that they're like, <laughs> they're there's no them. way. Like, I mean, look what he's saying with the taco bowl. And I love the Mexicans and he, he's calling them animals. And when everybody with ears said knew he was referring to ISIS and it's like, you're defending ISIS now. Like what? Like they, I think that they convinced themselves so much that they thought, that no one is going to vote for this racist, you know, old dope. And it turns out, I mean, people kind of, you know, are good at walking between the raindrops of Donald Trump's, you know, storm of bullshit at times. And that he has a message that appeals to some people. Um, it, I'm particularly not one of them, but I also understand why what he says and how he says it appeals to a lot of people. And Democrats just, instead of going to these voters, and just, doesn't this turn you off? He's racist. And Hispanics go, no, I like what he's saying about jobs. I, I want my energy job back. I want to be able to go work on a rig in fucking Texas, where right now I have to work contract jobs for construction because that asshole in the White House right now took away my job working on, you know, in, in the energy sector or working in an oil field or whatever it is. And it really is that simple. They, the Democrat Party kind of went all in on the cartoon of Donald Trump that they just figured Hispanics would go along with it because, you know, he's trying, he's building a wall. He's trying to keep you out. And you have Hispanics in South Texas are like, yeah, I don't want the cartels here either. I don't want my kid getting shot going to school either. And they just, they, they really do paint minority voters 
as a cliche and they they don't they don't see them as their own voting blocks. That was a that was a new poll that just came out um, where, you know, the Democratic Party in particular and campus politics, like what we see on TikTok now, they just group like Asian Pacific people of color. And they don't realize that that's like 200 different groups, separate groups that don't see themselves grouped together. And they do the same with Hispanics. And as you see, the way that they talk about African-American voters just being like, no, you're falling for disinformation. They're tricking you. And you treat them as, as again, as assuming that that's a voting block that you have. And as we're seeing more and more, especially with Hispanics, uh, it's they're they're very religious they want to work. They're not big on handouts. Um, they're, they're not here to, to just come in here and suck off the system, which is a mistake that the Republicans have made. And as I've said, and you know, you said, I've said it many times. I'm like, instead of like going the route of like the Ann Coulters and the Mark Levins, I'm like, I'm sending Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz to the border with hot coffee and a voter roll, you know, to go greet these people. Cause they're still going to be coming. You know, even if you shut the border down hundred percent, they're still, going to make it through the border. Some of them are. And yeah, so yeah. I just, I never, I think that they, the reason the Democrats lost them is the Democrats party's priorities shifted. They became more of an elitist educated party and they just started taking these voting groups for granted. And now they have no idea how to get them back. Um, I think it was, it's either Rich Laurie or someone said that the conservative caucus, the, you know, the voting blocks of, of, of sorry, Hispanics, they're not conservative per se. They're not, they're not like we're conservative, but they do have conservative values. They, they're religious, you know, they're family oriented. They want to work. They, a lot of them are on, there's an entrepreneurial spirit behind them. And those are just things that naturally gravitate toward the Republican party. And those people are going to say, yeah, I don't really like some of the rhetoric. Um, but those, like you said, the, you know, the other guys aren't talking to me. And they're, they're just treating us like we're an automatic vote. And I think the Hispanic voting bloc in particular is really starting to stand up and go, we're not Latinx. Like, what? Like, I just want a job and you're offering me pronouns. I really think it's that simple. No, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm sure you're right. I mean, the, the, the Latinx thing, as you put it, is, uh, is, is pretty absurd. I guess, it, I guess as well, you know, it, it makes sense that, uh, you know, if you're a Hispanic uh, voter in the, one of the southern border states um, and you're, you know, occupying some of the, the lower income sort of employment areas, you, why wouldn't you want to support a, a policy that prevents other people coming in illegally and uh, competing with you for those sort of uh, jobs? Right. That's no, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, you have Biden's border policy, which is just wide open. And you're absolutely right. Like, these people don't want to lose their jobs. They don't want to have more competition for these jobs. And, you know, the, the another interesting thing, and this is something that's completely under the radar, is the GOP's communications director is a woman named Danielle Alvarez. And you don't hear her name very often. Like, you, you, you she's not in media. You don't hear her. She's a Cuban-American, and she was also, I think, uh, law enforcement. Or she's a military wife. Her husband's a military. But this is someone who's a Cuban-American, and she's a young Cuban-American who probably knows how to talk to these people. And the fact that her name isn't kind of a household name, if I'm in the media, if I'm the Democrats, I'm blowing her up. And I mean, I don't mean that like giving her a tent. I mean, like you're trying to damage her in ways. 
and they just they don't understand. And it, it is funny. You make a point that under Donald Trump, the GOP became younger, became more diverse, became almost a, a female driven party. When you look at all of the personalities of the GOP, right? Uh, you have Elise Stefanik, and, and whether or not you like them, I'm not, I'm not endorsing them, but you have Lauren Babert and Marjorie Taylor Greene, and you have a lot of, you know, female personalities, I'll say that. And then also you have more Hispanics coming into the GOP, and you have now a share of the black vote. And the other thing that they, that our media and culture never really understood about Donald Trump and how Donald Trump was able to pull a good section of the black vote is Donald Trump was an icon in African-American like hip hop culture for 20 years. Like they love the guy they wanted to be like him. And so, and he's also a guy that supported, you know, boxing and African-American sports and things like that. And our media never got a handle on any of that. And that's a greatly uh, rich topic for someone to explore is just, you know, Donald Trump's reputation in, in hip hop and African-American culture. Um, He's also the dumb enough guy who said the, the Central Park Five were all guilty, you know, and that's who he is. Um, but, God, I, th- I, forgot, I forgot the last point. Oh, what I was going to say is, you know, what you said about how under Trump, the GOP did get more diverse. It got younger. And it's interesting that as soon as the Bill Crystals and the Steve Schmitz and the Rick Wilsons, and as soon as those guys all jettisoned out, the Charlie Sykes, all of those old white dudes suddenly the party becomes younger and more diverse. And I don't think that that's accidental, you know, not in, well, the, yeah, sense well, of, not in the sense that, you know, Hispanics know who like Rick Wilson is, but the philosophy, the things that people care about and talk about. Um, so the fact that you jettisoned all these bald white dudes who look like thumbs out of the party, that effect on messaging cannot be denied. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, again, I know there's a, uh, I don't want to, uh, unnecessarily delay your Saturday night. Oh, but I no. guess last question is uh, last question is why, what's the connection there between the bald Lincoln dudes leaving and, uh, and this phenomenon that we've just been describing, talking about for 10 minutes, a changing country, a changing demographic. They don't, these are guys who, you know, they weren't particularly successful at what they were doing with messaging anyway. Um, a lot of, so an interesting stat that I like to point back on, so you had all of these guys running Romney's campaign, the Steve Schmitz and all, all of these consultants running, you know, the McCain campaign and stuff like that. Mitt Romney didn't visit a single college campus during the general election. When I, when I talk about Hillary Clinton, didn't, didn't go to Wisconsin. Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan didn't go to a single college campus because whoever's advising them said, we, those voters are gone. We don't need them, whatever. And as I stated, a lot of the GOP's punditry just gave up on young voters. They stopped going to campuses and talking and doing speeches. They, they did it on cruise ships and they did it at, you know, AEI in Washington, D.C. And they did it at, you know, bookshops and whatever, where they would talk amongst each other. But they stopped talking to parts of the country. Well, when you when you stop doing that, then people like Milo Yiannopoulos come in and start talking to college kids and people like Ben Shapiro. And I'm not comparing those two. I'm just throwing out names and Charlie (laughs) Kirk and people like that start talking. And once that happens and younger people start listening to those guys, if, if you're the older generation, if you're the weekly standard people or whatever, you don't get to fucking complain 
about the fact that, you know, what those kids are soaking up and what they're, you know, what they're now preaching and what they're writing about. And they call it the new right and whatever. So I just think it was a changing country. And those guys didn't know how to adjust their messaging um, from, you know, the Bush years or whatever. They just they thought that conservatism is, you know, the, the grand old concepts of a strong foreign policy and limited government. And uh, that's it. And that kind of rhetoric is it's great for soaring speeches, but it doesn't affect, again, a business owner uh, who's just like, shit, my my company just upped and took my job and left for China. Like, what the fuck? Why, why aren't you talking about this? Why don't you care about this? Well, you know, free trade's a great thing. And, and people don't care. And so I genuinely think, again, based on the lack of success from a lot of those guys, they just didn't, they didn't understand that it's a changed country and it's a changed politics now. And maybe people around Trump do. Um, I certainly think that there's an aspect to, this, to the new right that's coming up. Um, that that does understand this, that does understand you cannot freeze out culture issues. You cannot not address these things. And, you know, that's, again, the big pull with DeSantis is whether or not you agree with some of the strong arm tactics. You know, he's out here saying, no, we're we're done with this shit in schools. OK, we're done with this. Well, again, you had these advisors and whatever under Bush and Romney just not even really talking about these things. And so. That's really what I think it is. It just the country changed out right out from under them. And that happens. It happens with as anyone gets older. I'm, you know, I'm kind of a Gen X fuddy duddy and I don't fucking understand TikTok. You know, <laughs> like I, that's where I got off. I'm just like, I'm done. I'm, I'm not doing this TikTok thing. And so that just changes. But it's it's also you have to accept that. And I don't think that the Steve Schmitz and, you know, the Nicole Wallace's and the Rick Wilson's and those guys, I don't think that they understand just how rapidly and how differently the voting blocks in the country has changed. And I, I, maybe maybe the new GOP with a with a Cuban-American communications director does. I don't know. Yeah, no, all, all, all good, all valid comments. Uh, yeah, I, I will um, take my leave, but uh, I'll spike the football literally and figuratively by saying, please try and convince me how American football, as or what I like, to, how I like to call it, hand egg, because that's literally what it is, is better <laughs> and more entertaining than actual football. Well, you, you heretics would call soccer, and that's that's where I take my leave. Uh, thank, thanks, George. Uh, good comments. That's, that's an easy one for George, by the way, is because we like collisions and we like guys that run into each other. And I'll take it a step further that when guys run into each other, we like it when they get up and we don't like it when a guy gets, you know, uh, uh, barely touched on his cheek and then falls down like he was shot like a sniper. Um, I would say that that's pretty simple. Uh, the, my funny thing is that, I mean, people know I'm a hockey fan. I'm a hockey player. And people say, like, you know, why, you know, soccer's way more, way more harder than whatever like this. And I'm like, okay, if, if you take a hockey team, you can put them on a soccer field, and a lot of them will know how to play soccer. A lot of them do play soccer, especially European players and Swiss players. Um, and they'll, you know, they probably won't beat Manchester, but they'll probably play a good game. They'll know how positioning, and they'll know how to kick the ball, whatever. Now put a hockey, now put a soccer team on ice skates. Andrew, you're up. Uh, good comments, George. I like I like the deviation of the theme <laughs> that got that gets my batteries going. It gets going to get me through Andrew and Robert here. Go ahead, Andrew. Uh, well, first and foremost, uh, they, Manchester just lost today. He's four to zero. So I'm pretty sure that um, if you put the 
the Colorado Avalanche on a on an actual uh, base, <laughs> on an actual pitch, they probably oh, win. So that's what Liam Gallagher was screaming about on Twitter. Okay, that's now I know. Yes, um, I, I'm pretty sure Charles Cook is probably going to be quiet for the next few days just because from his seething rage. But uh, and he deserves to. It's actually like. Uh, Basically, the way to look at Manchester United is they're basically the Cowboys, you know, good in the 90s. Here's my thing with soccer. When soccer's good, it's good. It's just, to me, not good very often. Enough. Yes. Okay. Uh, And I'm also not going to be talking about it because I'm tired of Donald Trump so, so, so much. But uh, I was just thinking, what is it with Darth Brandon? And it's like, how are they this stupid? How is Molly Jongfast this stupid? to be putting up that article about dark Brandon rising like a Phoenix. Yeah. Like- I, I just saw this for, for what Andrew's referencing. This is in her newsletter at the Atlantic where she says, Joe Biden is a Phoenix. The dark Brandon meme understands the secret of Biden. The moment all looks darkest, he rises from the ashes. <laughs> I, I can think of some ashes about, about, Joe Biden, but it's nothing like him rising from it. It's like he, the just, dude, the dude can't rise off of his bicycle. Okay, so um, the, the 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 here's the problem. And I've talked about. I, I I try not to give the dark Brandon meme that much attention. I've addressed it a few times on Twitter. Is the, the glowing eye memes and Trump is like a mecha warrior from Biohazard or whatever or whatever, that worked because Trump is an insane lunatic, and his base loves that he's an insane lunatic. They like that about him. And that's, you know, that's how all of those memes kind of came around. The one where he's holding the gun out the window, and it says, you know, get in, faggot, we're going to save the country. I, that's one, I don't like Trump, and I die at that meme every time that I just, it's so funny to me. Um, because that's who Trump is, like, that's who the guy is. Joe Biden is not an insane lunatic. He's he's a you know a dementia riddled applesauce for brains, eighty year old geriatric guy, and he's just not the dude with the glowing eyes and sitting on the skull you know the throne of skulls and doing all of that. And the fact that there's no irony steeped in the meme, it's just them copying the Trump meme or copying you know the glowing eyes meme or whatever. And the fact like, that the uh, White House picked it up, it, it, it's just there's nothing to it. Some of them are okay. Some of them are kind of funny. Um, but the fact that Biden isn't that guy, that's the whole thing. He's not. They, the they, they, they've memed, you know, I said, I wrote a piece for my old site, The Wilderness, about Joe Biden to me in 2016 was the front runner. If he ran, he probably beats Hillary and he maybe beats Trump. And I said that the reason why is because Biden is kind of a meme himself. He's just not a dark Brandon meme. He's, you know, the onion, you turned him into like the, the crazy hippie uncle, you know, showering down the Trans Am, you know, with the hose. And that's who that's who Joe Biden is. You know, he's he's a goofy fucking they did the anime memes around him and things like that. Yeah, so, so he's the um, he's the crazy uncle from your uh, an 80s sitcom. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so and, if, and if you went, if you went with that, if you went with that, then it would be better. But Joe Biden's been around for 40 years. So to, to, to suddenly turn him into, you know, an evil mastermind, it cut it one. It cuts directly against what you sold Biden as. And two, 
it just it's it reeks of trying too hard to me like it just it's so and and also he's going to get wiped out in the midterms and all of these fucking memes are going to come back to bite them and i can tell you i know they will because i'm going to be one of the guys putting them back up there yeah and the other thing is you keep seeing about things like nate silver saying oh the, the republicans might blow this and they might but i'm also willing to say that republicans always poll worst in late summer it's always what's happened and I will get off and let you hopefully get back to your va- weekend and have a good week. Yeah, you, you miss Samuel, who's kind of our uh, our, our polling doomer reliever. I, I'm not paying attention to really. I, I'm I'm looking at some of the races. I'm listening, and but yeah, there's this is usually how it goes with the midterms. Is uh, they you know they they hit the panic button and they do that thing. And thanks, Andrew. It's good to see you again. Um, and then, you know, they do that. But unless, I mean, the only thing to me that saves Joe Biden is if inflation gets back down to about 2% and gas gets under $3 a gallon. Beyond that, beholden to that, uh, nothing is going to pretty much save his party uh, as far as the House is concerned. Yeah, Senate could be close. Um, but one or two of those races always comes through where the media suddenly goes, oh, shit, we didn't even see that one coming. And right now, that could be, you know, O'Day in Colorado, for example. It could be one in uh, Washington, for example. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just not – I see the doomerism happening. And I follow enough people who are good at polling and good at reading polling. And their, and their attitude is, yeah, this is just going through the motions. So, Robert, take us home. It's Saturday. All we right. all have places to be. So make it good. Um, go ahead. All right. I'll try to wrap up. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. All right, cool. All right. Uh, first off, like I said before, I've got two Frenchies eight years in, and I had my first like month of multiple thousand dollar visits to the vet. So oh, wonderful! I'm feeling the sympathy. I hope they're insured. No, no they're not. But uh, it was anyway. It's been a painful couple of weeks emotionally yeah, for me don't. and the kids, and but everything everything's. I don't. We haven't got it all figured out. But anyway, so that was one thing too. Like Samuel and Samuel saying. I live in Florida. I'm a business owner. I also, I don't remember what you remember, but I'm a pilot as well for a very large company. I'm gone half the time and I'm traveling all over and have all through COVID. I never sat at home. Um, love DeSantis, love Florida. I loved Trump for the business. I would not vote for Trump in a primary. I would vote for him hands down in the, in the election. And I did vote for him the first time holding my nose, second time enthusiastically. Um, town moron what he was saying i think it was totally a fishing expedition i mean a, they got him impeached with a with a, a vague hidden uh internal guy on a on a phone call you know that was that so they're looking for something that if he were to either like you're saying to prevent him from getting i believe prevent him from getting to run again or you know if he does run to just start tainting him from the very beginning like they did with russia last time around um and then Something funny that I can't, I'm too tired of Trump too. My wife and I were at market for one of our stores in Chicago and two people at a nice place that we sat down to dinner. Both people there, they were a little bit older than us. I'm in my forties. They were probably in their sixties. Both of them started talking about Trump. They're sitting next to an adjacent table and they both start going into things that have just been outright proven to be false that the media ran with, but they both were hating it. And I'm, I'm sitting there biting my tongue, like being like, I, I can't remember now exactly what it was, but I, I told my wife, I was like, when we left, I was like, did you hear that? She didn't. But I'm like, they both started, I mean, this is in downtown Chicago. 
and people at a nice meal feel with their spouses want to talk about a guy who's been out of office. And even what they were talking about was factually inaccurate. I just I, that's what the media must know that. And that's why they keep beating the drum with him. Um, so anyway, that's and then like everybody, I am tired of it. But here's my I'm off Twitter. and I, I think media. I think they're beating the drum. I think they keep beating the drum. Like, I, I'm not going to do this, but I bet I could go to CNN right now. And, and I mean, I, I do this once in a while with Colin. I'm like, I'm just going to go to CNN and I'm going to count the amount of stories <laughs> of Donald Trump. And it's usually in the teens, at least. Now, I can't even imagine what it looks like. It probably looks like fucking Watergate. Um, and I mean, as I said, they, there are a lot of people with a lot of dependence upon him. Part of that's attention. Part of that's what their audience demands through their eyeballs and their clicks. Part of that's what they think they get traction on. And the other part of it is they think that he just makes the Republican Party look completely fucking crazy, which he does sometimes. But, I mean, that that act will get old. And, again, I mean, my attitude with Trump is just always, just just don't look, just don't look. But there's a lot of people with a lot of money (laughs) invested in keeping him around. If they don't want him to win, they'll let him back on Twitter. That's how you know they want him to win so they can keep going on. If he gets back on Twitter, he's going to shoot himself in the foot more like he did last time. And that's what probably didn't help him get reelected. Um, so here's my little notes. I might put this out. But John Miller and Darren that answered the phone for him at one point. Do you remember those stories? How he, they, everybody believed it was him pretending to be somebody like a secretary admin? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So John Miller or John Barron is the spy, and Trump set this whole thing up to get them in to get sympathy. The, set up the rush, telling them, telling them that, they, that Trump was about to burn. So you're you're saying that Trump is his Trump is Trump is the informant at Mar-a-Lago yes. to go for sympathy, right? To May, go to get people yeah. around, around him. No, I mean that's that's a that's a fun one. Um, what I, yes. I mean here's 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 what I'll say with pretty much absolute certainty is when you read Maggie Haberman's reporting and when she's on Twitter and she's saying a source or a source close right, to Trump is that's Donald Trump. That's Trump talking to Maggie. <laughs> Haberman. So when yeah. she says a source close um, to Trump says that there there's an, a, there's a possible informant at Mar-a-Lago that's Trump going, there's an informant at Mar-a-Lago here. And, you know, she obviously doesn't give that up, but that's the game that Trump plays with a lot of people in the media, which is where he slams them. But then he's also talking to them and and he does. He talks a lot and he will say a lot. So. So, I mean, him being the informant, eh, it's possible. That would be funny. I mean, why not? <laughs> this, that was always- this whole fucking this whole fucking week just went exactly like the movie Burn After Reading anyway. So why not at this point? <laughs> so anyway. All right. Have a great weekend. Listen to you all the time, and I enjoy it. Great. So appreciate Thanks. it. Keep it up. Please. Thanks, Robert. Thanks for hanging in to long enough to get your your uh, call there. So yeah, I, I'm on duty. Some oh, sorry. Oh, hopefully you're not flying. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Robert. I, I I removed him on there. So hopefully Robert's not in the air, just having a good old time on Gallin. Um, wh- whatever. Um. So that's a good, we could wrap this up in good time. So again, this has just been part two. Hopefully we're done talking about this. The one takeaway I get, you know, I always, I usually get one or two takeaways from these things. Um, and, and the one I get here is just, we're all very tired.
that's that's the one that I'm getting. Um, this has been episode 33, Unwarranted Part 2. Um, I'm going to try to be back here Monday, hopefully with something else. And like I said, this whole this whole week hopefully is behind us. If Garland and Biden and the DOJ are smart, this whole week will be behind us. Um, I certainly don't give them any benefit of the doubt on that front. Um, thanks to everyone who uh, jumped up to call. Uh, for those of you who are your kind of lurkers or listeners, don't ever be afraid to do that. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about any topic you want or whatever. Um, but uh, I, do, I always appreciate you guys coming into the room, making some, you know, making some noise and keeping the room size big. I think we're like the fifth ranked uh, show or episodes on the entirety of call-in. So um, you guys obviously help make that happen when you come in and, you know, waste some time with the rest of us. So again, thank you. Thanks to the callers. Thanks to the audience. I'll be back on versus media Tuesday, most likely. Um, and uh, like I said, I might be back here Monday, depending on what's going on, just to get some more of you in. Uh, but again, thank you. You can always get me, of course, at Red Steez on Twitter. Um, and again, thanks for thanks for jumping in, everyone, today. Thanks for spending part of your Saturday with me. And uh, go America, go Broncos.